0: Welcome to the Luke Messia Show. Today, I am joined by my friend, Brandon Waltons, who has honestly been dying to get on my show for a while. He Mm -hmm. constantly complains about not being here. Um, Before I bring him on, and he's in the room with me right now as I'm talking, so I'm not really bringing him on, but before I let him utter words, I'm going to talk about the four priorities which Dade Phelan announced. He is going to have, I think, 20 priorities. He announced his first four going into the weekend, um, and we have some commentary on that. Now, that is going to lead into why I've asked Brandon to grace all of us with his presence and go through a number of stories that Texas Scorecard has written about all of the Democrat chairmen who Dade would appointed. And so the Scorecard has written a profile piece on every single Democrat that's been appointed as a committee chairman. And so we are going to go through those one by one. And really that is well introduced by looking at Dade Phelan's priorities because he re- released his first four priorities. And these are the first, these are intentional. So let me just pause for a second. Every single one of you needs to know that what Dade Phelan does is on purpose. He's, he might be somebody who's not with us ideologically on a lot of things. He might be a politician who doesn't know what time it is and the battles that are facing us. He might have the wrong priorities, but that doesn't mean that he's an actual like imbecile. He's actually somebody who knows what he's doing. So he released these four. This sets the tone for what the House is looking at. Dan Patrick rolled out 30 priorities and amongst them were tons of GOP priorities and conservative priorities. I don't like every single one of Dan Patrick's priorities he released, but a lot of them are good and conservative and Republican. So Dade Phelan releases his first four priorities, and it is HB4 by Giovanni Capriglione, HB12 by Tony Rose, HB18 by Shelby Slauson, and hb 300 by Donna Howard. Okay? Uh, Let's look at what these four bills are. Giovanni Capriglione's HB4 is basically this data privacy bill. Okay? It's the Data Privacy and Security Act. Not a bad thing, by the way. So There's nothing wrong with having some bill that increases our data privacy and security. I will say that, you know, if you're being invaded by millions of illegals, while the children in your society are having genital mutilation surgery, and if they're not, they're being walked into some library where they're given pornographic materials and then given, you know, taken to a drag show where they're groomed. Like these are some real big problems while middle class... Texans are getting taxed out of their homes, and we've talked about the property tax issue. We're not going to get into that today. We've got more stuff to talk about with the budget that's coming up, but that's what, these are the things that are facing us that have to be addressed, and there's the, da- that, that's like maybe the most conservative option. Well, maybe, maybe Shelby's is slightly more conservative, but HB 12 by Tony Rose, and again, two Democrat bills, two Republican bills. Tony Rose has a medicaid eligibility this is a medicaid expansion bill saying hey we want welfare to apply for a longer period of time they want to make sure that when a mother gives birth to a child which by the way more than half of the births in texas that occur are paid for by you and me okay so congratulations all those leftists that say texas is not a pro-life society guess what buddy Our government pays for half of the kids that are born in our state. So half the kids you see, the babies, you say, I paid for that. You paid for that. We all paid for it. That's what a pro-life state does. Now they're saying, well, guess what? We really, if we're really pro-life, we really need to pay for like a year. And oh, by the way, as Matt Schaefer articulately tweeted out, a lot of these babies born are not even Americans. These are illegals that are coming across and having babies. And then we're like, you can get on food stamps. You can get on Medicaid. You can get on these other programs. And then some people say, well, an illegal can't get on some of these programs. Well, what you need to understand is that all of the border security we are doing at the southern border is making these illegals legal for a time. We process them as quickly as possible. We talked about this on the show when we had – Um, but we've had a bunch of different people on the show to talk about immigration. But one of the things that's been brought up on a number of our episodes is the fact that everything we do down there is basically taking these illegals and processing them as quickly as possible. And what happens is through that process, they get assigned an asylum hearing and it might be a year from now. And then for the next year, that person is legally in the United States and they're not planning on showing up to their asylum hearing. Just to let y'all know, spoiler alert. So while we have that issue, Tony Rose is going to expand Medicaid. And that's a big priority for Dade Phelan. And then you have Representative Slauson, known as the Securing Children Online Through Parental Empowerment Act, SCOPE Act is her deal. Now look, There's a good discussion happening on social media, and I think social media needs to be regulated, and uh, some of my libertarian friends will not appreciate that or agree with my position on that, but I think there's absolutely problems with social media. I'm even open to social media bans for minors consuming it. Um, There's other things that we protect. Minors from Jared Patterson has filed uh, good legislation, actually, to address that, Um, but it looks like... Dade Phelan has kind of settled for the compromise, which just says we want to equip Texas parents with tools to keep their children safe online, including the ability to put a stop uh, to addictive algorithm and prevent companies from collecting private information. So it's still giving the kids access to all the addictive social media, but empowering the parents a little bit along the way. HB 300 by Donna Howard would exempt, among other essential baby items, diapers and wipes, along with feminine hygiene products from the state sales tax. Let me explain what this is. This is literally a bill that bends over backwards to reduce the cost of tampons by 6%. And this is something that Democrats, like, if you want to know what Democrats really care about, Democrats have been trying to make tampons cheaper for a long time, okay? And just don't put me in the camp of, like, make tampons as expensive as possible. Like, I don't want there to be confusion. That the right is somehow trying to like make tampons inaccessible to all human beings. Uh, that being said, I don't understand how this is like the societal ill of our day. Um, but Democrats do, and they are—they've been hot to trot on this for a long time. But it keeps getting killed because guess what? It's not a priority. So now they've been like, "Hey, let's throw diapers and wipes in there," which, by the way, I'm just gonna—I'm gonna I know, admit to y'all. It does make this a lot more attractive, okay? As a dad of three, like, I found myself being like, I know what they're trying to do, and it's working, because I want tax-free diapers and wipes, okay? I got a baby due in June, and this budget could really be helped by tax-free diapers and wipes, but uh, that is another Democrat bill which Dade Phelan has said, this is my priority of the thousands of bills being filed. We have to make sure this happens, two Democrat bills, two Republican bills. It's on purpose. It's intentional. He knows what he's doing and he is setting the tone. This is what this session is going to be. Now on the flip side, this is why you have people like Matt Rinaldi and Tony Tenderholt and what we saw with Brian Harrison pushing stuff over the weekend and Brian Slayton, these guys that are getting out in front of it and saying, Hey, these are priorities that we need to push. Matt Schaefer said, I oppose Medicaid expansion. We're just starting to see a couple Freedom Caucus members pop their heads up and be vocal in opposing what Dade's saying without saying they're opposing him, right? And over time, that will at some point either change or just be ineffective because you can only go so long not saying, hey, it looks like the Speaker's pushing a moderate agenda. So we'll see, but... That is the opening salvo to Dade field and saying, "Here's what I want to make the session about." Conservatives rightly criticized him, basically Schaefer, Schatzline, Harrison, Tinderholt, Slayton, number of other members you saw. Very good messaging come from them, but it is a small number compared to Dade. And uh, you know, at the, at the same time, you have conservative Republicans that might say, "Oh, well, I don't like this, but I'm still going to cover for this speaker. So these are fundamental problems going on. This is what Dade Phelan is doing. And that leads into the nine Democrats he decided to put in charge of committees. And let's talk about that. Each weekday, join the Texas Minute for a first look at the top news of the Lone Star State. I'm Michael Sullivan, the host of the Texas Minute. The Texas Minute exists to make sure real Texans have the news they need to affect Texas. You can find the Texas Minute at texasscorecard.com or everywhere you listen to podcasts. So Brandon Waltons, editor at Texas Scorecard, welcome to the Mm -hmm. show. Thank you for waiting. Yeah, I didn't know if I'd get a chance to to speak, so that's fine. I thought about just talking. Yeah, for we'll, 30 just, minutes we'll just and put the tail like, end well, here. it has been here, and we're <laughs> on. and so one of the things we hear so often is, "Well, what are Democrats mm-hmm. really doing?" And um, and so and 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 one of the things you also hear is, "Well, look." it's the reasonable Democrats that get the mm-hmm. chairmanships right it's it's you don't understand there's the radical ones and then there's the reasonable ones and it's the reasonable ones that get the chairmanship so why don't we just kind of go from top to bottom through the different stories if you want to read these profile pieces you can go to texascorecard.com and look at each profile piece by a Democrat so um the first chair from top to bottom, Uh, Business and industry, Oscar Mm -hmm. Longoria. Now, this is a unique situation where not only is he a chair, but he's chairing a committee where the majority of the members of that committee are Democrats.
1: Yeah. And this is, you know, this is probably one of those committees when people hear that in the state of Texas, that business and industry, something that's pretty important, right? You think about how much we talk about business in Texas and all that, that we elect. Uh, not only a Democrat be in charge of this committee, but literally that the majority of the committee is Democrat. Now, Oscar Longoria is one of those, and we'll, we'll, we have quite a few of those that are chairs here now. Is one of those Democrats that people tend to think is on the more moderate side. That oh, he's a moderate Democrat. He's usually working. You kind of he's, you've seen him do work with Governor Abbott and, and 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 some of the Republicans as well. And so there's kind of a thought that well, you know, okay, if you have to give a chairman to a Democrat, this is fine. Uh, the fact of the matter is is that when you look at his record and you look at pretty much all of these Democrats that people think are moderates, they're absolutely not, right? I mean, you look at the Democrat platform, these guys fall right in line with it like 99% of the time, right? More so, I would say, than you see Republicans, frankly, fall along with the Republican platform. I mean, these Democrats are lockstep. And so you talk about business and industry. Uh, This is a committee that's traditionally gotten, for example, bills to fast-track the minimum wage, uh, to uh, increase the minimum wage, rather. Um, this is something that he has supported, right? We're raising it to $15, fifteen, yep. twenty, and whatever, and fifty dollars an hour. Who knows, right? That's something that he has supported. And you look also just at the you know Democrat platform. Uh, uh, you know what what do they say about business? Um, you know it's all pro labor union. It's it's all sorts of requirements on on businesses to give paid leave and this and that. And so you look at that and you think, "Wow! Not only do we have a Democrat chair here, but we have Democrats completely in charge now of business and industry. As far as
0: at least the Texas House is concerned, it's absolutely wild." Uh, look, here's what's funny: when you talk about a reasonable moderate Republican and uh, Democrat—sorry, a reasonable moderate Democrat in the mm-hmm. Texas House, those Democrats are still married to the liberal orthodoxy of their party right so you don't see any of them going like well look this guy like he wants to stop sex change surgeries on kids or like this guy wants to ban abortion because he's catholic there's very few Uh, eddie lucio was a senator who's no longer in the senate Mm -hmm. in texas who was probably one of the real true moderates of, of his day uh longoria it's not just the social issues though like you said he wants to Raise the minimum wage. He wants to allow school districts to raise your taxes without your approval. Yep. He wants to kill spending limits on the state budget. Like, even a, okay, we're all, mo- we're reasonable moderates. Like, we should have some limits on how much we grow our spending. He's like, no. We want to raid our savings account to pay for more government. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, like, this guy is not fiscally moderate, socially moderate. He votes on a handful of like slight pro life stuff. And all of a sudden he's given the keys to the kingdom with the Business and Industry Committee. Let's move on to the second committee. Mm-hmm. Corrections. Abel Herrero, again, the l- second committee that was given a majority Democrat membership as well as Democrat chair. Tell us about Abel Longoria.
1: Uh, Abel Herrero. Abel yes. Herrero. Again, one of those Democrats that people think – is uh, it's okay, Luke? You know, doing a podcast, you know, it's, uh, okay, it's, no. it's a lot of I'm pressure. Struggling. Yeah. Um, Abel Pereira, you know, again, one of those Democrats people think ah oh, is is kind of a moderate. Uh, not really, though. I mean, Abel Herrera is somebody who, first of all, has led actively the anti-school choice, uh, sort of crowd in the Texas House now mm-hmm. for years. Not only that, you look back; he's been in office since two thousand five. I mean, this is somebody who has a history of making money off state contracts. Uh, you know, he was. Uh, Not one of those Democrats that, that busted corn. We'll talk about that in a bit. But this is somebody who has an F right with Texans for fiscal responsibility and pretty much every conservative organization. Right. Because, again, these are people who continue to vote against this stuff. Uh, Corrections Committee, you know, you look at the Democrat platform and, you know, what they have to say for uh, incarceration. And, you know, you look at uh, just just right now, I I saw today, you know, some legislation being filed that could potentially be referred to that committee talking about, you know, maybe not letting men in women's prisons. Right. Maybe that's an idea. That's something that, you know, we don't know. That's something the Democrat Party is probably going to stand up against, Um, you know, abolishing the death penalty, et cetera. uh, You know, Some of this could go to corrections, some of it could go to criminal jurisprudence, but it's really, really concerning that we have a Democrat like that in charge of something so important.
0: Next, we have Victoria Niave with (laughs) County Affairs, our infamous representative who hit a tree, got arrested, DUI, and Dade's like, man, that is my kind of model, moderate, middle-of-the-road Democrat that I'm going to give... Uh, a chairmanship, too. She's been a chair before mm-hmm. and she continues to keep that. So tell us about Victoria.
1: Yeah, as county affairs uh, committee, you know, this is this is a situation where Victoria now. But yeah, got a DUI just months into her first term uh, right after the session there in 20, uh, 2017. And ever since then, she's had a record of, you know, for example, she was sued for $50,000 in in not paying local taxes. And then, literally, the next session, by the way, voted against a proposal that would make it. Uh, easier for people to be able to protest their taxes and be able to uh, uh, slow the growth of their property taxes. So uh, you see some of that. You know, Victoria Nave was one of those Democrats that left for Washington, D.C., that broke quorum, uh, which is interesting because there was a recent interview where Speaker Dave Phelan said that you know part of his criteria for the Democrats that he said he would want to work with are the people who he said would want to work and have shown that they will work with me. And it was essentially alluding to the Democrats who broke quorum. And yet, you know, Victoria Niave and some of these others, they were people who left uh, and, and completely froze the process for a month and a half.
0: Yep. Joe Moody. Mm-hmm. We'll give this man an extra minute and yeah. take his time away from another member as we go through this list.
1: Yeah. this the Joe Moody might be one of the most shocking because Joe Moody is somebody who is a radical left wing Democrat. I don't think there's a lot of people who would actually even say or try to say that Joe Moody is somebody who is a moderate, and yet he's had a history of being involved with the Republican leadership in the Texas House, now through two chairs, right, at mm-hmm. least, right, with uh, Speaker Bonin before Speaker Phelan. He's been appointed for the House Committee on Criminal Jurisprudence. This is somebody who is uh, completely against the death penalty, he's mm-hmm. for abolishing the death penalty. Um, he's somebody who is called Republicans hate mongers He's somebody who has called for gun confiscation and has led efforts for different sorts of anti gun uh, efforts in the Texas House before. And he's repeatedly, repeatedly, this is the interesting thing to me, he's repeatedly accused members of the House, Republican members of the House, of being racist for their votes on different, especially immigration issues. It's amazing to me. You know, if somebody calls you a racist and then you put them, they, these are the same people who have now put him in a leadership position. And, you know, there's a lot of concern because. This is a committee where you know, there's some really important bills being sent to, right? Pretty much anything that can be made a crime, right, which is a lot, a lot of laws, a lot of important <laughs> stuff that we probably want to yeah, keep yeah, a yeah. mind on, uh, goes to this committee. And this is somebody who has shown that he has very, very little respect for the rule of law.
0: I think the interesting thing about Joe Moody, I'll, I'll give him uh, credit to to this extent. One, he has navigated the legislature incredibly effectively. Yeah. Um, when he, he – he, here's one thing I would say. When he says, like, these Republicans are racist, he's usually talking about Ted Cruz or Dan Patrick or Brian Slayton or Tony Tenor, or one of these conservative people. And the funny thing is, you say, like, we say, well, you're, you're calling Dade Phelan and their, his leadership team racist because you're saying the people who supported this bill are racist, right? And the truth is, here's something Joe Moody knows, that most House leadership didn't want that bill. Right. So (laughs) it's like in his mind, he's like, no, I'm not calling them racist because like I know that they didn't want it. Unfortunately, they fell to the pressure and they had to do it. But like I know they really don't want it. So like they don't want to vote for the racist stuff. But the other people who really want to end sanctuary cities, who want to secure our border, who want to stop funding taxpayer benefits to illegals, like they're real racist. And so I align myself with the leadership who really doesn't want this stuff. And then they help me be effective and give me power to leverage Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Harold Dutton, who's one of my favorite Democrats in the Texas House. There's a lot of good stories we could tell about Harold Dutton. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's also incredibly left uh, on a lot of issues. So let's talk about it.
1: Yeah, Harold Dutton. This was somebody who was, by the way, last session, the chair of public education. He's now been moved. Uh, He's the chair of juvenile justice. And family issues, a committee that he has chaired before, and again, right? This is somebody who this is somebody who did break quorum, did leave for Washington yep. D.C. as did Joe Moody, by the way. Yep. Um, but he's been a chair now. He's uh, for six sessions. I believe it's a six yep. session that he's been ali- in a leadership position. And this is somebody who this is, I think, the most shocking thing that people need to know is that when the legislature had a bill, this was when people were talking about. Remember the born alive yep. kind of act, where it was okay, we're going to criminalize. Essentially, if you kill a baby after it's born, right? It was in response to some stuff that, w- that was in the news at that time. Virginia, Harold, Dutton, New
0: York, yeah. were literally passing laws this year. Like if this kid survives, you can kill him.
1: Correct. Um, Harold Dutton was, I believe, the only Democrat who, at least uh, uh, when it was first brought up in the Texas House, there were some other votes as well. But he was the only Democrat that voted— Against it. Okay. So this is not somebody, this should shatter the notion that, well, this is somebody that Republicans can work with. Largely that's not the case. Again, you know, you run down the, the list of all their ratings, complete, complete, uh complete liberal.
0: Yeah. No, the uh he is and I, I will say this if somebody's going to vote to allow a doctor to kill a baby after it's born, maybe don't appoint that person to chair like juvenile justice and family issues You're like this is literally like those are the ones yeah, he clearly has like the most animosity yeah. towards. I mean, I don't know what he what these babies did to Harold, but he's he's pretty against them. The the I remember where we like Harold is like the texting while driving bans and all these other things. He'll get this kind of libertarian sure. streak, civil liberty streak where he'll all of a sudden team up with you on the right issue, but a very bad committee for him to be given the chair position. Here's the thing, you can work with a Democrat without giving them massive power and leverage over you. And we're gonna talk about leverage that these people have in a second, but let's go to Tracy King, Natural Resources.
1: Tracy King was the one that surprised me the most because I think of all the Democrats that were appointed chairs, uh, he's probably the person who, in my mind, was the most moderate, okay? This is somebody who is in a district that literally voted for for Trump, okay, his his house district voted for Trump, uh, and voted for him. He was he didn't even really have opposition, okay, and so he's a Democrat out there. You think, okay, this has got to be an absolute moderate. Not the case. okay. he supported uh, abortion, Medicaid expansion, mask mandates, uh, leniency for criminals, illegal aliens. I mean, you list it. This is somebody who has been put in charge of the Natural Resources Committee. And again, uh, you know, you look at that Democrat platform, right? Uh, Democrat platform has a lot to say about what Texas should be doing with its oil, gas, natural resources. And it's certainly not in line with what I think most Texans uh, would think
0: needs to happen. Um. Can we please talk about Mr. Bobby Guerra, the resolutions calendar chair?
1: Yeah, Bobby Guerra, again, right, resolutions calendar. This is uh, uh, one one of the committees, a little more procedural, uh, probably one of the less important committees, I think, if you were ranking them. But still. We're rewarding here Bobby Guerra, a Democrat with very, very low ratings, with all of the conservative organizations, has a bad voting record on pretty much all those issues that I just listed before. And yet we're putting them in this position so that, uh, you know, not because the committee itself is necessarily so important, although we there is sometimes some opportunity to, to see uh, some interesting things in the resolutions committee, but um, – but the fact that we're rewarding them and you know, giving them this title, they can go back home and say, I'm a, I'm a chairman in the Texas legislature. We just give these little rewards away to the Democrats.
0: Yeah. Bobby is somebody who in the right environment could be actually potentially vulnerable. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Down there in the Rio Grande Valley. If we are to change the Rio Grande Valley, people like Bobby Guerra will have to get defeated by Republicans in the general election doesn't really set us up to defeat him well when he gets to tell his entire community, like, I'm a powerful chairman in the Texas House of Representatives, giving him more opportunity to fundraise more money, do other stuff. Okay, Terry Canales is the chair of transportation.
1: Yeah, Terry Canales. So uh, this is a Democratic and one of those ones that there are a couple issues where you've seen where he has been able to work with Republicans on. Biggest one that comes to mind first, right, is uh, constitutional carry and a lot of the the gun stuff. Okay, Uh, once you get away from that, however, you see that, you know, he's completely on the opposite side. This is somebody who uh, has been the chair of transportation before. And then you have people like, um, you know, in our article, literally, we spoke with Terry Hall, right? Uh, who's a big, uh, a big leader in the transportation watchdog group, uh, Texans uniting for reform and freedom, Texas turf. And, um, This is somebody who has been very antagonistic to those efforts for a long time. And so the fact that we've got him in that position again, uh, a lot of those activists, uh, specifically like Terry Hall, like Turf, are very, very concerned about what this means for their priorities.
0: Last but not least, Mm -hmm. Sinfronia Thompson. Selected as a chair of a special select committee.
1: Yeah. So this isn't a standing committee. These are little select committees that pop up. The speaker can create them. Uh, this one was created. Uh, it looks like to, to sort of uh, receive a bunch of legislation having to do with anything that uh, deals with youth, safety, uh, health, et cetera, especially in the wake of some of these school shootings and stuff as well. We've been talking about that. Um, But uh, Sinfonia Thompson is somebody who's been in the House for a very long time, okay? She's been in leadership positions before. Um, And I think the biggest issue, you know, you have to look back to is back in 2019 when she was the chair of public health, the heartbeat bill, uh, which, you know, this was – before Dobbs. Right. This was the the bill to prevent abortion when a fetal heartbeat could be detected. Uh, she killed that bill as chair of the Public Health Committee. Didn't give it a hearing. Um, and she's been a very, very outspoken uh, pro abortion advocate there in the legislature. Um, but, you know, once again, uh, she's given a chairmanship.
0: The thing that often goes unstated, and I just want to remind everybody about, is you have on one side the reality, as we've talked about, that you give these individual members sole discretion, king-like authority over an entire area of policy. So if there's anything regarding transportation, it cannot even be brought up for consideration, a hearing, or a vote without Terry Canalis' express decision, blessing, and action. Okay. There is no way to go around that. And so the one bad thing about giving a Democratic chairmanship is you give juvenile justice and family issues. Every single bill filed in the Senate and the House that comes out of the Senate or is filed in the House goes to Harold Dutton and he himself decides period. He can sit on a bill and say, I'm never going to touch that bill. All it's going to do is get filed and referred to my committee and nothing will ever happen. And without Harold Dutton's decision, there's nothing. When I say there's nothing that can be done, the only thing that could be done is that the speaker himself would have to allow a motion to be made from the floor, which he will not let get made, that would take that bill and re-refer it to a different committee or compel the committee to act on it. But the speaker never lets that happen. He lets the Democrats kill whatever bills they want to kill. And then the second thing I would say is that you have an amount of leverage that you give these members that cannot be quantified by an individual bill. And so what I mean by that is that now every Republican who wants to address any of these areas of policy that we just talked about files a bill and now they have to acquiesce to this king of that bill okay so you're a conservative republican and you have four bills that you file that you think all make a difference for one reason or another in people's lives and they might not be the sexiest things you've ever heard about but they're decent legislation that's going to help somebody and now they have to be in the good graces of these democrats so when they then go out and fight for conservative stuff and try to make the legislature go from passing three conservative bills to eight conservative bills this session. Those Democrats say, hey, that guy he's stepping out of line, his stuff's dead. We're not going to allow that stuff to move forward. And so that's another factor that gets, I think, forgotten in the conversation about Democrat chairmanships. Brandon, in closing. Uh-huh. What do you think were some of your takeaways as you went through and edited and published all these pieces?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway is this. Look, this session, we're down um, from previous sessions as far as how many Democrat chairs there are, right? You look at standing committees, there used to be 13. Now there's just eight in charge of standing committees. And I think that's sort of the the thing, right, as activists, sometimes we have to grapple with is, you know, that's certainly progress, right? Um, but this fight continues, right? And it's not enough to be okay with this because we need to continue to be pushing to get these guys out. Uh, there's such a thought that, well, okay, if, if we've only got eight and they're probably pretty moderate, then that's fine. Um, I think the biggest surprise was even these people that I, you know, I've covered for years now and fall in the legislature. I mean, once you really go, look, even the people you think are moderate have the most radical, radical voting records. These are not people that any Republican uh, voter I know would be happy to say, yes, let's put them in charge. This is why I voted Republican. Uh, let's put them in charge. This is what I want to see. So uh, just a total disconnect between the actual voters there and the people that we unfortunately have running the show right now in the Texas House.
0: Brandon, thank you for joining me today. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you for listening to The Luke Messias Show. To find out more information about what's going on here in Texas, visit TexasScorecard.com.